Thank you, Tim. Thank you, praise team. What a wonderful time of worship we have had thus far. May it continue as we have opportunity to study God's Word here together. Uh, over the past uh, about month and a half, really before Easter, we had been talking about uh, just beholding Jesus. And we went through a uh, rather long walk through the Gospel of John, talking about the wonder of beholding Jesus crucified and resurrected for us. And we saw all the great glory of what uh, He has done for us and celebrating all the reality, not simply of the resurrection on Easter Sunday morning, but the resurrection as it continues to matter uh, even in our lives here today. Uh, we had done that and put our study through the, uh, through the book excuse me, of 1 John on pause for a moment. And so here this morning, we return uh, to 1 John. And so if you would, you can grab your copy of God's Word and turn uh, to 1 John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you. If you don't have one at home, uh, you can have that one. And uh, you can take it home with you. And so it's always helpful for us to remember where we have been thus far. And really thinking about 1 John, and I know that feels like we... It's been a while since we've been in 1 John, so thinking about what we had just talked about, of talking about knowing Jesus and abiding in Jesus and seeing how abiding in Jesus leads us into loving one another and the confidence that we have in Christ because of who He is and what He's done. And so as we jump back into 1 John, we're going to go into 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1 down through verse 6. And as we think about that, what you can clearly see here is that we're going to be talking, at least in part, about discernment, right? Of discerning between what is true and what is false. And the reality is, many of us, we hear different voices, competing voices, saying, you know, opposite things at the same time. A lot of times we'll hear one voice over here and we'll hear one voice over here, whether you're watching the news or something like that, and they're sort of talking at each other, and you're like, what in the world? Because these two things cannot be more opposite. What is going on? Is there a way of clarity for us? Is there a way for us to walk in the truth, by the truth, for the truth, as we navigate what feels like a world that is increasingly unstable and out of control? Take heart, there's a way. God has provided, as He always does. So grab your copy of God's Word and turn again, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and read with me, if you will, down through verse 6. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you're from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, by your grace and for your glory, by your spirit at work in our midst, Bring great clarity here today. We have heard many things in our lives. 
We've heard many things this past week. There are many competing voices. Father, we pray that you would speak with such might and such clarity that all of our attention, all of our affection, all of our devotion would be rooted and found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Father, work a miracle of your grace in our midst here today. And Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' mighty name and for his glory. Amen. So as we read here, and really as we jump back in, we see, as we've seen repeatedly in 1 John, these wonderful words and references to the body of Christ, where he says, beloved, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, family of the faith, those who know and enjoy the love of God in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sin and rose from the dead, and that you have received the free gift of everlasting life through faith in Jesus, beloved. It's as though he's, it's like a loving family member pulling you aside and saying, I've got to tell you something, loved one, dear one, listen, do not believe every spirit. This is a command that we must be discerning in our lives because we recognize there are a lot of voices out there, aren't there? I mean, you can turn on the radio and you can push that seek button over and over and over again. There's a lot of voices out there. You can turn on the television and you can look around and there's like 10 million channels and you don't know what to do. You can get on your phone and it's even worse, right? Oh man, you can type in something in Google and you can look at the top and be like 10 million something hits. That's a lot of voices. He tells us here, do not believe every single one of them. That we're to know Jesus with discerning devotion and test the spirits. That we've got to slow down long enough to pause and exercise spirit-led, scripture-informed discernment. That we're not to be gullible and led along with every wind of doctrine. We're not to just assume that everybody is telling us the truth. That just because people say it's Christian doesn't necessarily mean it is. I had some people knock on my door yesterday at about 10.30 in the morning who told me that they were Christians. But after talking with them for less than a minute, it was very clear that they were not. Not in any biblical sense. We must not believe every spirit. And it's interesting too because we read this and we think, okay, well you look around at the rest of our lives and we're discerning about all manner of things, aren't we? We're discerning about where we get our fried chicken. We're discerning about cars. Where am I going to buy it? From whom am I going to buy it from? We're discerning about, you know, even when we're listening to people tell stories and maybe somebody's telling you their fishing story and they have no photographic evidence and you're like, I don't know about all this one, man. We're skeptical and discerning and, and trying to navigate the understanding whenever somebody calls us and says, you know, your car warranty needs to be re-upped. We're very scam sensitive about our money, aren't we? Are we that way about our devotion to Christ? Are we ever eager to root our lives in the truth to such a degree that when we hear what is false, we know what is true and we can say that's false because I'm rooted in Him? And it's very helpful as we unpack this and think we got to define our terms. And so when he says, do not believe every spirit, what does he mean by spirit? 
Well, as you can see from even the way in which he describes us in the rest of verse 1, where he makes reference to false prophets have gone out into the world. In speaking of spirits, he's talking about people who are speaking, but ultimately the spiritual reality that is at work behind the words and behind the one who is actually declaring the words. That we must discern the source. Is it coming from the Spirit of God or is it from evil? Because just as we get discerning about news sources and statistical sources and all these manner of things, we must be exceptionally discerning about our faith. God has given us the means. God has given us the method. God has provided in every way to fulfill this command. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And that even before we move on into the rest of verse 1, you have to ask yourself at this point, who are you listening to? Who's the biggest influencer in your life, right? We use that term in talking about people who have some sort of sway on social media. But the reality is that somebody's the greatest influencer in your own life. Who is it? Whose voice has the, the heaviest sway? What are we to do here? Well, not only does he tell us, do not believe every spirit, but he says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we're not to pretend like everything's okay or just, you know, oh, well, it'll work out. No. He says, test them. Examine them. There's to be rigor and bold clarity here. And that in any sense of testing, there has to be some manner of standard. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you are a born-again believer, you have the Spirit of God within you. And you have the Spirit-inspired Word as an objective point of reference. We have everything that we need to navigate this wild world we're living in, in the truth. Make sure the voices that are influencing you, or really, as we might say it, the voice that's influencing you is doing so with Christ-exalting truth. And expect clear results from testing the spirits. We want clear results from any test. That was one of the most frustrating things about the whole world of the COVID thing, right? Because there were so many false positives. You remember all that fun, right? I say fun, you know, air quotes. It's frustrating. We want clear results so that when you go to the doctor and you get a test, you be like, do I have the flu or do I not? You want them to be like, well, it's 50-50. That's the same answer I had when I walked in here. We want the same thing in standardized testing in school. Is is it a pass or is it a fail? Do I know it or do I not? Do you agree with what God has said concerning the person and work of Jesus Christ? Test the spirits. And especially within the context of where we are, we are to exercise discernment, especially as it relates to whether or not something is Christian or someone is Christian or someone is not. But the discerning work of the Spirit of God at work through the truth of God applies in all manner of different ways, doesn't it? Helps us navigate this world that we're in to understand what is a marriage, a covenant commitment between one man and one woman for life. How do we understand these things of morality, of the understanding of the image of God? 
all biblically tested by the Spirit of God at work within us, that gender is male and female, biologically, genetically, from birth, and there's no changing it. Expect clear results from the testing of the spirits and to know Jesus with discerning devotion. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, we can read this at first, and as we read it, we think, well, there's so many voices out there, and this is such a frightful reality, and this just feels so sad. It's so dark. We're not to hide in a bunker somewhere. This is not about avoidance. This is about clarity. And clarity means that we are going forward with the gospel, holding all claims under the scrutiny of His Word and His Spirit at work within us so that we can sort out the sources that are being propagated around us. Is it from God or not? There are so many false prophets that have gone out into the world. This was an issue in the first century. This remains an issue in the 21st century. Lots of people, lots of places, lots of pulpits even, trying to distort, distort and deceive. And see, when we read this, these are not just sort of you know, distant abstractions that we're talking about. This affects real people. This affects people that we're related to. This affects people in our neighborhoods, people that we've known for years, friends. And the sad reality of the world in which we live, the sad reality of a sin-sick world is that there are a lot of influential liars who are we going to listen to? who are you listening to? see God is so good to provide a way ahead look at what he says in verse 2 by this you know the spirit of God not guesswork, not, oh, well, maybe. Born again, spirit-filled believers recognizing Him in the confirmation that's found in the objectively true and clear Word of God. By this you know the Spirit of God. Test the content of the confession. Discerning whether or not something is Christian or whether it is not See, we need to be clear here, too, that we're not talking about discerning every sort of minute point of theological conversation or interpretive detail. We are discerning between what is true or false in its content as to whether or not it is Christian or not. That's what he's talking about here in 1 John. And notice what he says here, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That to confess Christ is more than just articulating the syllables out of our mouths. The word itself in the Greek text is like an endorsement of speaking the same thing, that the Holy Spirit will agree with the revealed truth that He has inspired Himself of who Jesus is and what He has done. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, if you look at the details, even His name, Jesus' name is a declaration of His identity and mission, that His name itself means Yahweh is salvation. He is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, our only hope, and by faith in Him, there's forgiveness and everlasting life. He is the Christ. 
He fulfills all three offices, anointed offices of the Old Testament. He is prophet, priest, and king, and he has fulfilled all of that in himself, that we're not looking for someone else, we're looking to him. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And we think, what? Why does he say that? Well, one of the things that was going on, even in the first century, is that there was a first century heresy that was floating around called docetism, which was based off of a Greek word that, you know, ultimately means uh, seems like, and that there were a lot of people running around saying, well, it just sort of seemed like Jesus was here, and it seemed like he died on the cross, but he didn't really do that. It didn't really happen. So they were telling people it just sort of seemed like that was the case. That sounds a lot like what people say even to this very day, doesn't it? We've got to see that there are immense implications of the incarnation of Jesus Christ because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all got individual expressions of the brokenness because of our own sin in our own lives, and we need a substitute, we need a rescuer, we need He who is fully God and fully man, because only He could restore the relationship that we need with the righteous and holy God. Only He could endure the full outpouring of the wrath of God against our sin and then say it is finished and lay down His life only three days later to take it back up again. We need Him for who He is. And so in confessing that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, we're confessing that Jesus is our actual help. He is our actual rescue, that our sin is all too real. The consequences of our sin is all too real. The reality of death and hell is all too real. So we need real rescue and real salvation and really, Jesus really did it. He really lived a real life and was really tempted in every real way as we are and really did display perfect righteousness, having never sinned, really did go to a real cross where he really did die in our place and really did endure the full outpouring of the real wrath of God against our real sin, really declared it is finished, really laid down his life, bowed his head, gave up his spirit, and three days later he really did rise from the grave. So we're confessing our salvation is real. We're facing the real reality of what's going on around us with hope. We're not walking around pretending or playing these games. We are declaring, yes, He has really saved me. His grace is true. His grace is really sufficient. There really is peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts in Christ Jesus. There really is real comfort in our real comforter in Christ himself because Jesus Christ really did do what he said he did. We are not living on myths and tricks. We must be able to discern between what is real and what is fake. And many of us are better at it than we think we are. Because maybe you've had the experience where you go out to a restaurant and you sit down and all of a sudden, you know, the waiter or waitress comes up and they say, what would you like to drink? And you say, I'd like a Coke. And they say, oh, well, we got Pepsi. You you know, you curl your lip up and you're like, Pepsi? I'll have water, thanks. We've all been there. Maybe you've had the experience before where you go to a place and you sit down and you're like, I'd like a cup of coffee. You're like, well, we got decaf. You're like, isn't that just dirty water? 
We can discern between what is true and what is false in all these other ways. Are we discerning in our Christian walk? We don't like fakes because fakes promises what they, they promise what they cannot deliver. And you can't call what is Christian what denies the reality of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. See, we are, we are discerning by devotion to doctrine and knowing Jesus. But it all comes down to whose voice are you listening to? Is it his spirit at work through his word? Or is it someone else? Who are you confessing? And the the reality is the more you understand God as he has revealed himself, the more discerning you will be. It's not that you need to learn the ins and the outs of every fake in order to be able to spot a fake. All you really need to do is know the truth. And that when something comes around and doesn't match up with the truth, you're going to be like, that's not real. That's not true. That's exactly what he goes on to say, is it not? Verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Any spirit that does not confess Jesus, confess Jesus as our Savior, confess Jesus as our propitiation, confess Jesus as fully God and fully man, confess Jesus as our only hope, Not as a means to an end, but as the one who is worthy of worship. Not as the one who is just giving us license to sin, but the one who calls us to repentance and to worship him in spirit and in truth. We must know the truth and walk in it. And as we read this, we we have to start thinking through these things and start to assess the playlist that's playing in the back of our minds in our lives. Because if you're wrong on Jesus, look at the source here. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. He then goes on to say, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. To be wrong on Jesus isn't just to be like, oh, well, let's see. It's to be actually opposed to him. It is the spirit of the Antichrist. Teaching that glories in itself is not simply false, it's sourced in evil. Teaching that denies the exclusivity, the supremacy, the glory of Christ is not simply wrong, it's from the Antichrist and is evil. He says, and you've heard this was coming, and now is in the world already. And see, sometimes we can read these things and we think, okay, well, we heard this was coming. And it starts to stir in our hearts a little bit of fear. But then he says, oh, but he's already here. He's already at work around. And you think, oh, what? He's here. How are we supposed to respond to this? Not with fear, but with confidence in the truth. In testing the spirits, we have every reason for confidence in Christ. Test the spirits. Because the truth will lead you into clarity, not confusion. The truth will lead you into confidence, not cowardice. Faithfulness, not fear. 
we read this and we say, well, what ought to make us so confident? Confident? Well, keep reading. Look at what is said here. That knowing Jesus allows us to test with confidence and clarity. Look, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What a wonderful declaration. And isn't it amazing that he uses that word little children right there? Those words. Even Even the youngest new believer is an overcomer in Christ. Even the babies of the faith the littlest ones among us, the newest to the gospel, even you are an overcomer in Christ. He says, you are from God, born again by the Spirit, made alive in Christ Jesus, called out of the darkness into His marvelous light. And that knowing who you are and whose you are ought to increase your confidence in the truth. We belong to Almighty God himself as his children. What are we afraid of? He who defeated hell and death all by himself is he who has saved us and sustains us and will draw us to himself in its final conclusion so that where he is, we will be also. What in the world are we so afraid of? He says, you're from God. You've overcome them. It's a reminder that conversion itself is the initial overcoming, isn't it? That the war has been fought and the war has been won. So that when we sing songs like the battle belongs to you, we're not just sort of singing along and saying, oh, well, this sounds like a nice tune. No, it's true, isn't it? Everyone who is a genuine believer knows this and that we root our confidence not in how things appear not in how they feel but in the truth of God in the truth of the gospel and that not only are we his and belong to him and have overcome listen to this he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world at the moment of conversion The Holy Spirit of God moves into the believer, the Spirit of Christ Himself, who is Himself victorious over death and hell, who wields the truth, conquers unbelief, convicts and comforts. He's in you. Remember this as you're out and about in your days. Remember this as you're having those conversations with your friends and your neighbors and your loved ones. Remember this when we're walking around and we're sharing Christ later on this afternoon. Remember this. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We're not comparing ourselves to he who is in the world. This is not about self-reliance. This is not only who is with us, but who is in us. I mean, we can remember all the schoolyard debates where we could stand there on the playground and under the monkey bars and be like, my dad could beat up your dad right? We remember all of those. But what about the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God Himself dwelling within us, the Spirit of God who is present in creation, who's at work in the Exodus, who we can think all the way across all these wonderful works of the glory of God across the span of history, who raises the dead, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What wonderful news we have here. 
so that we rest in the victorious power of Christ and we're not cowering, we're confident. But is this reflected in your life? Is this reflected in the way in which you share Christ with people? Is this reflected in the way in which you pursue being a disciple of Christ and walking in faithfulness with Him? Is this reflected in the way in which we pray, the way in which we engage with our community, the way in which we function as a church? He who breaks the bonds of iniquity, who's defeated darkness itself, who comforts and cares and loves, who has provided our lives as living testimonies of the wonder of His saving might and His glory. Don't fear. Be confident in Christ. He says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Speaking as he's talking about they, he's talking about the false prophets, and particularly the false prophets as they're influencing the unbelievers. They're easy to spot. They speak from the world. We can often discern voices. You meet somebody and they've got a deep old southern drawl, right? You can spot it a mile away. Or if they refer to cities up north like Boston, then you're like, you just revealed your cards, man. Somebody comes up to you. I mean, you can even tell by the content of the language being used. If somebody came up to you and said, good day, mate, you'd be like, you're not from around here, are you? top of the morning to you. Cheerio, right? I mean, we could go on and on down the list. We can spot it even by the words that are using. They're from the world. They speak from the world. So there's a tendency to listen to the voices that you already trust. Lost people speak as lost people. And it's not surprising that unbelievers listen. It's familiar. The world listens to them. The purveyors of darkness appeal to the darkness. Don't be shocked that those who do not know Christ as Savior and Lord can't see the difference. There's no light there. They need the truth. This is a very helpful and perhaps timely reminder for all of us that cultural popularity is not a gauge for truth. Number of retweets doesn't matter at all. What has God said? Who are you listening to? What station are you tuned into in your own life? He says, we are from God. Verse 6, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We need to be careful here how we interpret this because he's not simply saying these things so that we would root our hope in ourselves. When he says we, he's speaking of himself as an apostle here. As the apostle John, we are speaking. We are from God. God has specifically commissioned these eyewitnesses of the resurrection, inspired by the Holy Spirit, called by the resurrected Christ, to pin the words of Scripture, and God is at work in them. He has already talked about this even in 1 John chapter 1. The apostolic authority, even that exists today, is the Word of God itself. And He says here, we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. 
if you know God, if you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are going to care what the Bible says. You will listen. Because you'll see it as it is. You'll recognize the voice. Listen with intent not only to know, but listen with the intent to live. And you can even think about the Apostle John here and think about the Gospel of John itself. You think about Jesus being revealed as the bread of life and the light of the world and the door and the shepherd and the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth, and the life and the vine. And he is the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He's the agent of all creation. And that even as we read in the Gospel of John in John chapter 1, that by faith in him we have the right to become the children of God, that he heals us with hope, he comforts us in our affliction, he redeems us with his righteousness, and he holds us fast with his holiness. And whoever knows God listens to the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Who are you listening to here? Do we spend time directed here saying, Lord, speak to me? And that if anybody climbs up, I don't care if they have a pulpit or a jacket or a tie or dress shoes or whatever else. I don't care how many followers they have on whatever you know, platform or whatever else. If what they are saying does not come from here, do not listen. Amen. Because this has eternal ramifications. Discern with clarity. Because whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Walking around like this, I don't want to know because the gospel is offensive. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We do deserve condemnation and yet God in His grace has provided the way of salvation. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And it's so easy to read this and think, I know who needs to hear this. But before you do that, start asking yourself, who am I really listening to? Whose voice has final sway? Whose voice has supreme value in my life? Are you listening to Christ through the Bible? Following, believing? We have a great opportunity now to do exactly what the text has told us to do. Test the spirits. Because maybe you're sitting here and you have realized by the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst that you need to change. Maybe you've been trusting in a counterfeit and you've just been trying to fix yourself all this time. Trying to be your own rescue. Trying to put yourself together enough to where you can just work your way there and figure it out on your own. And that way no one's going to have to know about it. And you are stuck in the mire and in the wonder and in the pain and in the sorrow of the fact that none of that has had any effect upon you. And maybe it's time for you to change the presets in your car. 
today if you hear his voice. Do not harden your heart. Start with the gospel. Believe what God has promised and God has fulfilled in Christ. That he saw us, sees us, dead in our trespasses and sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he sent Jesus, fully God, fully man, tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin, fulfilled all righteousness, went to the cross and substituted himself for us. And that he died on the cross for our sin and rose from the dead that all who believe in him have forgiveness and everlasting life and are clothed in his righteousness and then filled with his spirit. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, do so today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like the Israelites did in the day of their rebellion. Run to him. He is mighty to save. Whatever your backstory, whatever the, the lingering doubt may be, he overcomes unbelief. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're a believer, but you need to reassert a commitment to the ongoing guidance of the Spirit. Maybe you just need to take time and just repent and dial down all the other voices and say, Lord, I listen to you. Lead me by your precious voice. However the Spirit speaks to you here this morning, respond. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us that you have spoken at all. You're the God who speaks. And that because you have spoken and because in your wisdom you have your word written, we can live in discernment guided by your spirit. So Father, we pray right now for any in here who have been listening to counterfeit voices. And Father, we pray that they would hear the words of hope. That there would be clear conviction, a clear brokenness over sin, and a clear running to you for your grace and your mercy through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask for you to speak as you have already spoken. Forgive us, Lord for trying to do things our own way, for trying to be our own voice of discernment and lead us in the way everlasting so that we may walk in the joy that we would know you're in us, you're leading us, you're guiding us, you're teaching us, and may we walk in confidence in Christ together. However, the Spirit leads today. Father, be glorified in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.